The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 382 for September 29th, 2013. BlackBerry announces plans to go private, Apple announces new iPhone sales, and Google Voice now supports short codes. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, first today, before we get into the news, a quick iPhone replacement story. I had to do it this week. Uh, here's how this went. So I was traveling this week. I was out on the East Coast and uh, was uh, going around taking pictures as I was doing some sightseeing on Sunday. And unfortunately, I happened to notice that uh, on one of the pictures I had taken, a little blue-purple splotch, if you will. And so um, I, I took another couple of pictures just to verify. And sure enough, I had this this little defect or artifact that was showing up in all the pictures. So uh, when I had a moment, I did some searching around and I, I figured out that it was a, an issue with the sensor for the uh, the camera. And so basically no way to get around it. You have to get the phone replaced. Now, uh, the unfortunate thing for me is that this was on the 22nd uh, of September is when I realized that it happened. And going back, uh, looking back in my records, I realized that I had purchased this phone on, you guessed it, September 21st of 2012. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> I was one day out of the one-year warranty. Now, knowing what I know about Apple, I'm figuring there's probably not going to be an issue with this. And so uh, I ended up you know, setting a Genius Bar appointment, actually a couple of days later, and uh, went in and just, and it, it literally took two seconds for me to explain what it was. I showed the guy the issue and with, I mean, no questions, no nothing about it, just immediately uh, replaced it and uh, said, okay, here you go. And by the way, you were out of warranty, just so you know. Uh, So what that means is the warranty for this iPhone 5 comes with the original iPhone that you purchased, not with this one, meaning this new brand new iPhone, a refurbished iPhone that I have now has zero warranty on it. So I'm out of luck if anything else happens. But uh, long story short, it seems to be working just fine. So I've got no concerns there. Well, you know, comparing this to the experience that I had with Sprint, where I had to go because I had uh, the, the Nexus S on my last device, uh, it failed on me a couple of times. And every single time you have that, you have to pay the 40 I think it was 35 or $40 for them to warranty replace a device. And uh, that's a lot cheaper to be able to do that from Apple for free. Yeah, and it was it like I said, it was it was really easy, uh, and in this day of pretty much having everything in the cloud, it, there was not uh, a real you know particular reason for me to do have to you know try and back it up to a computer and everything like that. And um, the only issue that I really ran into was that this warranty replacement was, of course, uh, an iPhone that they'd had there sitting for a while, and so the battery was completely dead. So I had to sit with it plugged into. I used an iPad charger from one of the fourth gen iPads to uh, charge it up a little bit faster, and uh, it took like. 15 minutes before the phone even turned on. So this was like a deader than dead battery that was in this phone. And so it took a while to get a little juice. And finally, once I did, it uh, it activated and all was good. So I went to do a restore from an iCloud backup while well, I'm still in the store, mind you. And uh, realizing that, of course, it only had iOS 6 on it because it's been sitting on a shelf for, you know, who knows how long, probably a couple of months. And so ultimately, I was not able to uh, to do the restore there because it had iOS 6 and I wasn't about to 
you know, did the upgrade to the new OS and then do the restore. I was like, I just got to get on with my life here. So added, uh, added my exchange account, uh, downloaded the Gmail app, which is a whole other story. We'll get to that in a second. And uh, basically moved on with my life. And, um, you know, it was interesting because after using iOS 7 now for essentially a week uh, to go back to iOS 6 was, was really felt quite different uh, and almost antiquated in, in many ways. And, and then at the, on the other hand, I uh, felt kind of elegant. And I, I think this is, you know, one of those things where you're, depending on your views on, on if you like the new OS or not, it's it's interesting going back and seeing the old, uh, you know, the design and all the the detail that they, they put into it. I think was was kind of neat and uh, almost a little retro, meaning it's only been a week, but still felt a little bit, a little bit uh, in the past. So anyway, so but uh, as I mentioned before, I had uh, I had to charge it up. So in the process, I decided, well, I I'm gonna have another like six or eight hours of stuff that I'm gonna be doing today, and the phone is only at like 10% battery. So I really am gonna need a battery for this. So. Uh, I bought a Mophie, and uh, initially uh, I bought the the Helium, which is the the one that charges it from zero to eighty percent on a charge. And uh, I'll be honest, I was I, I've always wanted a Mophie just because I would love to not be you know constantly concerned about the battery level on my device. But um, I literally had this thing on the phone. I never even left the Apple Store. I bought it, put it on. And uh, within five minutes, I, I said, I, there's no way I can do this. This phone is just, it's, it's too heavy. It's too thick. It is just not what I want out of a phone. I am never going to use this thing after today, after I get this phone charged up. And so ultimately returned it before I even left the store. Um, but it was, it was just a very interesting uh, kind of, you know, I'll just say an, an introspective look at myself and how I, I like these phones to be. I don't want it to be, you know, big or bulky or anything anymore. I like the thinness of a, of a smartphone. And so I uh, ultimately, I, I did have my iPad with me, which was a whole nother, you know, interesting thing to, to be able to do. I, I used it essentially as a replacement for everything else that I was doing for the rest of that day, uh, like I didn't even have a phone. And so that was, that was, uh, that was interesting to see how much I could do and how much I liked it uh, and how much I didn't like parts of it as in the weight. And uh, it was it, ultimately, I think um, I'll be looking at a smaller iPad for the next one, um, probably the mini. And it'll be just be a matter of, uh, you know, whether or not I can, uh, they have the retina screen on it and everything like that. So, uh, but very interesting stuff here. So a uh, little iPhone replacement story there. But the problem with this whole thing was, and, and those of you that are using Gmail know exactly where I'm going with this, that I'll, I do now, I do not have now uh, exchange push email on this new phone because ultimately they pull it when you install on a new device. And so I, I have to just set it up and use it the IMAP way, which is a little bit annoying. So now I'm doing the the whole uh, Gmail app install to send me the push notifications. And then when an email comes through, then I launch the mail application and, it, and then it downloads it at that point, which is, is a little bit annoying. Uh, the other thing is, is that not all of my calendars are syncing. I've got some other calendars outside of um, uh, what you, what I just, you know, normally have. I've got one for me and I've got one for uh, our family, but then you have these other calendars that I've pulled in, like uh, Minnesota Twins and Vikings, uh, football, baseball games, U.S. holidays, uh, TripIt. I have that pulled in. These are all what they call other calendars in Google, and those are not showing up with uh, how I have it set up. So I may have to do the CalDev imp implementation right now. I just you know set it up for Gmail or Google, and then check the boxes to sync contacts and calendar. How did they sync before over the uh, exchange? Because I think you can only do one calendar with that. So I'm not no, sure. How you... No, you can do. I've got. I've got probably twelve calendars set up. Um, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's great with exchange. They they have they they basically show you everything that you could see on your other um you know on your on there. So 
I don't know if, I, if I'll show Joey this because he's he can see me, but I've got all sorts of different calendars with check boxes huh. next to them. And so, yeah, and it, it works out, like I said, very well. Um, I, I really enjoy it to having all of those calendars on there. So I have to figure that out. Like I said, that may just be a install, uh, you know, another another that, that, uh, that uh, CalDev should fix that up then, I would imagine. I'm thinking so, um, you know, ultimately, because I, I do use it quite a bit. So, but that, that was that was kind of the only, the really pain point with this here. Because everything else, you know, just install it, type in your credentials and move on. And it's really no big deal. So I will tell you, iOS 7 for me is running a lot smoother on the iPhone now that it's a clean install uh, of iOS 7 and not a restore from a backup or anything like that. So uh, not nearly as many app crashes, uh, much smoother performance and just generally better a better experience. So uh, if you are seeing any wonkiness with it, uh, consider doing uh, doing something like that where you're not, uh, you know, you just do a wipe and reinstall uh, of the OS and then just kind of start over. You know, if I'm going to talk about that for the iPad, I tried that today because the uh, the iPad 4 for me has, uh, it, it, the, the graphic performance seems very cruddy. It's very jerky now. It's it's the, the, the animations are not smooth, like even in iMessage when the message bubbles are, are, are transitioning from where you're typing it into the, the, the list of messages. It, it, it clunks up there. It, it has maybe three or four, you know, renderings as it's moving and it looks nothing like the iPhone. The iPhone is a smooth, just a, a real smooth, gentle uh, animation and the, the iPad just does not have any of that, especially uh, multitasking with the, the multitasking gestures. And when when you move apps across that screen to change to them, they, 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 they animate very slowly, very cruddy frame rates. So I decided to try wiping it entirely and start fresh, and it, it did not help any of that, even with a brand new clean OS on there. So uh, I'm not sure what's going on with the iPad 4th generation here. If this is just mine, there's something wrong with it, but it was fine under iOS 6, so I'm not sure what, what could have happened just in those uh, that period of time. Yeah, I'm not really sure either, because I'm, I'm having a very uh, different experience. The the third gen iPad is the one I'm using, and no no real issues with it at all. It's very, still, I think, very smooth. And uh, it's it's certainly, I'll say, it's got its bugs, uh, you know, where you've got certain things, apps that'll crash and stuff like that. But it's not, it's really not all that bad. It's not even something I've been thinking about. So, uh, you know, ultimately, I, I'm, yeah, that, that's kind of a bummer, especially when you're using it so much, as I know you are, uh, to really have all those issues. And uh, so the, you know, the ultimate, I guess, you know, thing here, though, is to talk about uh, just how easy it is to, to really change those devices um, and to you know do a reinstall and, and re you know push on data if that's what you're looking to do and I know you had actually that experience this week where you had a user that you had to do that for yeah I swapped uh, from an iPhone 4s to uh, the new iPhone 5s so it, it, I mean literally thrown into iTunes had backup this uh, you know backup this phone and then you know. 10 minutes later, it's copied everything, and you, you plug the new phone in and put all the settings, the wallpaper, every everything is just like it was on the other device. It's just, it's so easy to do, and, and you know, that, that capability just isn't there with Android. I'm going to have to knock Android right now because you, you don't have this, this uh, you know, basically migration, uh, this ease of migration like yeah, you with Apple. And that, it's the same way on the computer side too, right? I mean, you there are migration things that you can do on the Windows side, but it's you know on the Mac side, it's almost like you're setting up the identical computer than what you had before. 
Yeah, and you know, same thing with my iPad this morning when I tried out uh, wiping it clean. I, you know, made the backup in iTunes, even though I still could have used iClouds, but, you know, I, I was at my computer, so I just uh, did it in iTunes, and I wiped it and set it all up and tried, you know, experiment with it for a while and discovered it was no better performance, so I just went in and restored it from the backup, and, you know, now the iPad is just the way it was. I mean, exactly the way it was. Do you have to retype in passwords, though, when you launch new app or apps that require a password? Uh, the only thing... Password I think I had to put in was my iCloud password again, and then it looked like my VPN connections actually were missing. So mm. I think those were about the those were the only two things I really saw that were different. You didn't have to type in exchange credentials or anything no. like that. You used to, but not anymore. I, they must have added that somehow. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a nice thing. I mean, that's one of the one of the reasons why I never really I, I don't even do you know restores because you have to enter all that stuff in anyway. Um, but yeah, okay, well that's good to know. Very nice. Uh, you know, obviously it saves a lot of time there if you're not t- constantly typing those things back in. So uh, either way, it's uh, you know lots of uh, lots of I'm sure of similar types of stories as people have been upgrading and downgrading and trying out different things and you know trying to get the best experience they can with these older devices that are installing uh, this this new software on them. And you know it's 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 ultimately I think a, a kind of a testament to the fact that they the Apple's done a really good job here and uh, you know certainly not perfect. Uh, we'll talk about uh, in a little bit here they've already had an update to ios 7 but either way uh, still a very nice experience but let's move on here we've got some other news to talk about and first up this week news on monday that was first reported by globe and mail that smartphone maker blackberry has signed preliminary paperwork with a consortium of equity companies that could lead to the company going private fairfax financial holdings in conjunction with other equity partners offered nine dollars per share for blackberry valuing the smartphone maker at 4.7 billion dollars the consortium has six weeks to conduct their due diligence uh this uh, then coming or coming later in the week then blackberry releasing its second quarter earnings report posting gap operating losses of 965 million dollars on sales of 1.6 billion the result is a 49 percent year-over-year decline in revenues and after adjustments blackberry's operating loss narrows to 248 million that's 47 cents per share the company is also reportedly selling just 3.7 million smartphones during this quarter a substantial drop from the 6.8 million that it sold in the previous quarter Finally, BlackBerry reported that its cash revenues have started to slip with only six, excuse me, $2.6 billion in cash reported. That's down $500 million from the $3.1 billion it reported in the previous quarter. Uh, so let's talk about this briefly because what does this all mean, right? I mean, we are talking now about BlackBerry essentially being uh, going back to the, the private world. And, uh, you know, that that all sounds kind of, I guess, you know, almost elegant, right? If it's not going to be a publicly traded company anymore, but uh, ultimately not a great thing for uh, for shareholders here at nine dollars a share. I mean, this was, a, I think, a pretty low ball offer. Um, I'm not someone who values companies, but uh, I know that at, at one point we saw their stock uh, much, much higher. And so this is uh, the, and this was also a I think a thing that you, you're going to really have to take a look at whether or not you think BlackBerry is actually going to in the future be a viable option. Option as far as a smartphone maker, or uh, was it was this probably the best that shareholders could have uh, expected out of this? And so um, ultimately, they're still going to make phones, they're still going to sell phones, they're still going to people that buy the phones. And it's but it's not a um, it's not going to be from the same BlackBerry that uh, we've known for the the last number of years. And we'll have to see how this plays out too, because you know this deal may not go through, but I think this probably is end up going to be the best deal for the shareholders of of BlackBerry and RIM because you know they're just uh, they're just bleeding money right now, and they're just—they still have a lot of cash in hand, but they're—I mean—the the trends are all just—they're uh, they're very grim, very gr- uh, gloom and doom here for BlackBerry, and 
you know, they're, they're expecting going private will be able to uh, allow them to turn into more of a long-term focus and kind of readjust their strategy and not have to make quarterly numbers and have the microscope underneath them, you know, for all the reporting that goes along with being public. Yeah, I think if we're if we look back at where they were, uh, they they maxed out at around eighty million or so subscribers, and I think at this point uh, they're now at seventy or maybe just under seventy million. So you're still you're still seeing a drop here, uh, you know. And, and to have still three point seven million smartphones sold, that's I think a pretty good number, um, you know. And the, the the problem here though is that they were selling older devices; it wasn't the new stuff that they were pushing out uh, to consumers. Yeah, and that, uh, and, and you know, of course, they're banking the future on the BlackBerry 10 devices. They don't want these old devices being sold, but they shot themselves in the foot by not making the enterprise server compatible. This is why I didn't bother keeping any Blackberries around because it's all or nothing. You know, you oh, you've got this. Uh, you have to buy the new uh, new server software. You have to make the transition, do all this stuff because I was running the BlackBerry Enterprise Server Express, and they don't really they they still have I think the single license available or something like that for BlackBerry Ten, but they change it all up, and it's just not necessary because it has Exchange support in BlackBerry uh, Ten. So it's it, you know they're they're just making strange decisions here that affected uh, for you know for me no you know no way I'm going to keep blackberries now yeah and i'm i think a lot of companies are thinking the same way i'm in a company now that does not uh does not really support blackberries i think they've got maybe a handful of users on them and these are executives that are just still using them and, and refuse to, to move on but uh you know i'm personally um i'm st- now using uh you know ios and uh, i know pretty much almost exclusively that's what's being used and, and that's really what is interesting about the business world today is it used to be all blackberries and now it's almost all iPhones. And, uh, you know, there are some Android devices that are in the mix, but it's not nearly, I think, what, uh, you know, what it is uh, on the iOS side. And, and, and it's, it would be really interesting to know just how many devices are being used today um, that are bring your own device that, you know, are of people's choice. They're choosing iPhones. And then also what the different uh, organizations, the enterprises out there are choosing to buy. And iOS just seems to be the easy choice, I think. And uh, it certainly checks a lot of boxes because it makes their customers uh, or their employees happy and and they can use them for you know not only work but also some personal stuff as well yeah and that's why i ended up having to deploy ios devices a lot of people wanted them and also it made the most sense i mean literally with the the durability of the device even though it is a touchscreen it's not nearly as durable as the uh the blackberries where i could replace the screens myself if somebody broke it or cracked their keyboard i would replace all these parts i'd have i actually had a a few on hand because i had a lot of those blackberry bolt 9650s so i actually had spare parts laying around for those to replace them and fix them when people broke uh broke them but the iphones have been uh very durable so far and uh you know they're they're fair fairly easy to deploy and uh, maintain and of course they're stable uh so that to me you know it was the clear choice do you give cases uh, out with uh, the devices to users and if so which ones are you giving out uh just using uh the two dollar you know ebay specials uh for cases i also put all those uh tempered glass screen protectors on them as well uh on everybody's iphone some people had i actually didn't have the 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 glass ones in but some people just kind of did it on their own too and they some people have their own cases on there too but yeah i just i just gave them some you know cheapy cases Mm, that's something that keeps it from uh getting dinged up and scratched and you know hopefully one less uh you know one more drop i guess you would say uh you know to keep it from the screen breaking so yeah absolutely great uh great thoughts there so uh either way though uh you know this is this is a trend i think for a lot of companies uh, and this is where blackberry really had uh you know the most of their business and um, you know, 
I don't really want to call it having all their eggs in one basket, but certainly there was there was some feeling of that uh, when you know businesses started to move away from this. And uh, I know there are. I, I, I did see uh, my trip was to D.C. and I did see a lot of Blackberries out there. I'm guessing there's still a lot of government agencies that are running these things, and so uh, it's not the you know it's not like it's ultimately going to just go away right away and and, and whatever. So, but very interesting stuff here. We'll be following it closely to see just how Blackberry reacts uh, to this here and how they get themselves moving forward in the right direction. So we've got some uh, some forward progress there. Other news this week, AT&T saying that it plans to use Spectrum it acquired from Qualcomm to deliver video via LTE over to mobile devices. This is called LTE Broadcast and it's a one-way multicast network technology similar to what's used by television. It uses LTE cell sites to broadcast the content which can be received by any LTE-capable smart device. LTE Broadcast is part of the LTE spec and doesn't require a special antenna or other hardware components. AT&T would be able to control what type of content is delivered via a given region, meaning it can offer local content as well as national content if it wants to. Look for the service to roll out in the next couple of years. Oh, another one of these silly services that just not going to go anywhere. I, I can't imagine unless they somehow have, you know, all the broadcast uh, over the air channels available for uh Four dollars a month. I just, I, I just can't imagine it uh, going anywhere. Interesting. I, I'm not. Uh, I guess I'm not someone who really watches uh, a lot of. Well, I guess maybe I do watch a lot. I, I watch a lot of TV in my house, uh, you know, on my devices, and that's just via the Slingbox, and that's really because it's so easy to be able to move around that, you know, from room to room on Wi-Fi. But when I leave, I don't really watch a whole lot, so I'm not sure. But maybe if it was easy, I would use it. I don't know. And, and maybe it would be able to replace cable connections for a lot of people who just have tablets and not really TVs much anymore. I mean, I, I, I could see that happening in a lot of uh, in a lot of people. If you've got an LTE, you know, iPhone or iPad for some for some reason, you could kind of watch over the air TV on that. That would be great. But it would have to be something inexpensive. I mean, the, the technology sounds fascinating. I think this is really cool that this is a part of LTE. I wasn't aware of that uh, functionality. So we'll just have to see how it goes. And maybe it'll be something for uh, vehicles. Too. Maybe they're going to start promoting kind of Sirius had a had a kind of a limited TV thing, backseat TV functionality. Maybe this will kind of uh, tie into automakers, uh, maybe more so than kind of at home use. Yeah, this is it's an interesting feature and it's interesting to start thinking about. But to me, this goes al- along with a lot of those other things that you just think about and you go, wow, that's really neat. I bet that could you know, you could see some cool applications for that. And that's the last time you ever hear about <laughs> that type of service or functionality. So uh, but either way, AT&T is backing it. So it'll probably be out. It'll probably be, you know, whatever it is, five, six, usually what do they say? Five ninety nine for services like these. So I bet that's what this will probably be when it launches. Maybe this will end up being more. I, OK, I was at a gas station where they just rehab the whole gas station. And the, now the gas pumps have like these annoying TV screens on them. And I'm like, hmm, gas station TV. That's what it says on there. And maybe they'll be broadcasting stuff like that with this service. Same thing in uh, taxi cabs in the backseat of cabs. Now you get this the TV service that you're watching in there. Um, you know, so yeah, it's 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 out. Uh, you know, there are places that use it. It's it's somewhat interesting. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see if how how this takes off. But either way, uh, AT&T saying that this is what their plan is going to be. So again, it, it'll happen here. Contrary to Verizon's stated claims, it appears to be ridding itself of uh, or that it said it was ridding itself of unlimited data plans on upgrades. Uh, there have been some people that have said they've been able to upgrade their iPhone 5s and 5cs and actually keep 
those unlimited data plans, all while getting a subsidized price on the device. Uh, well, it could be a glitch or Verizon may be doing something unadvertised to get around government regulation. Uh, it is a, a very interesting thing here that we're seeing here. So um, I'd love to hear if you are able to upgrade your iPhone or any other device for that matter on Verizon and pay the subsidized price, so the two, three, or four hundred dollars for it, not the six, seven, or eight hundred dollars for it, and keep that unlimited plan. Let us know and let us know how you did it. It looks like it's only available, though, of course, through the Verizon website. Boy, I'd be very wary of doing that because I would not. If I was a heavy data user, I wouldn't even risk it for the the amount of money that uh, uh, you know, because it, you could easily burn up that uh, savings in the device pretty quick. There, that four hundred bucks that you're getting off, essentially four fifty that you're getting off. Uh, if they decide to not honor that unlimited plan with that up with that upgrade pricing. Yeah, and this is this is one of those services that, you know, or one of those features that people have on their plans that I totally understand. You, you don't want to get rid of it. And, um, you know, I have been vocal in the past about not really saying, oh, you don't really need that much. If you can use Wi-Fi, you can be fine. But uh, I, I totally get it. If you're someone who's traveling a lot and or in, in areas where you just don't have access to Wi-Fi, absolutely. This makes a lot of sense. And to be honest, um, I loved uh, I, every time I travel, I always remember just how much I love having LTE um, and uh, I do have an upper, a higher uh, data plan at this point than I, I had in the past. And I, you know, burn through the data just because it's there. And uh, so I could certainly see easily, you know, hitting 10 or even 15, maybe 20 gigs a month, depending on what it is that you're doing on the device. And if you're streaming a lot of video, it's, it's really not a problem. Uh, that's actually what got me in trouble as I was doing the uh, Netflix HD on a laptop uh, tethered over to an iPad. And I don't know how much that uses, but it was a ton to watch a, a one hour show. And so it was, it was very interesting to see that uh, just, but just how easy and how well it works. Uh, and it's great. I love it. Uh, I love being able to, uh, to do that right over the air. And so interestingly enough though, this could be a way for those that are buying new devices to get them for cheaper. But uh, yeah, heed that uh, advice that Joey just gave for what it is. Apple on Monday announcing sales of its new iPhone 5S and 5C handsets. They said they had topped 9 million units during the first weekend of availability. That figure beats last year's iPhone 5 sales, which told 5 million units through the phone's first three days availability. The company also confirmed that 200 million people have updated to iOS 7 so far, compared to 100 million that went to iOS 6 last year during the same period. The new iPhone 5S and 5C are about to make their way to additional carriers as well. Uh, nine new carriers are picking up the device, including or devices, including Appalachian Wireless, Bluegrasses. Cellular, C Spire, Cellcom, GCI, MTA, Next Tech, Entelos, and Strata. All of those carriers will have the device beginning on October 1st. And there are several others that will uh, be announcing the 5S and 5C coming soon, uh, looking to have around 25 U.S. carriers offering the device at some point here within the next couple of months. I mean, that's pretty big when you look at that number 25 versus, you know, be, being on AT&T exclusively for many years and then just uh, a Verizon launch late, uh, you know, in the second half of the the uh, iPhone 4 life cycle. Uh, just in those couple of years now, we've, you know, drastically improved the number of carriers. So that's that's really good news for consumers. It really is. Yeah, and and it was, uh, and there were some other ones as well in there that uh, that announced this week. I think Virgin announced this week, October first. They're getting it as well. So, um, yeah, there, there were there were a number of uh, smaller carriers and uh, MVNOs that announced this week. So uh, keep that in mind if you're looking to pick it up on a cheaper rate plan. T-Mobile on Thursday announcing that it plans to stop offering BlackBerry devices at its retail stores. T-Mobile says they will continue to offer them online and ship directly to customers, but keeping stock in the retail distribution system has been inefficient. Representatives from the carrier said there's 
there's little demand for Blackberries at most, and most purchases are made by businesses. Sprint on Monday announcing that the Samsung Galaxy Note 3 and Galaxy Gear smartwatch will be available beginning October 4th. Sprint will charge $349 for the Note 3 smartphone with a new contract, while the Gear is available for $300 without a contract. In software this week, first up, a clarification from a story we ran last week. BlackBerry set out last Sunday rolling out the release of BBM for iPhone and Android, offering it up across the world at midnight local time. However, on Sunday, BlackBerry paused the distribution on both platforms, citing issues with an older leaked version of the app on Android. Apparently, a leaked version caused problems, and they've been forced to disable the leaked version from working on Android devices for the time being. Those customers who downloaded the iOS version will continue to be able to use it. Now, before you think it's going to be released anytime soon, the EVP for BBM released a statement this week saying the older version resulted in volumes of data traffic, orders of magnitude higher than normal for each active user. It impacted the system in abnormal ways. The version has been planned to planned to be released on Saturday, address the issues. However, they cannot block the users from the unreleased version if they went ahead with the launch. They say a fix for the issue will take some time and a launch of the BBM software for both is not expected uh, anytime soon. So uh, I know we did announce that it had come out last week, and that was just due to an early recording of the show where it had started to roll out when we recorded and ultimately never finished. So there you go for that clarification. Uh, but let's talk about the good news here. BlackBerry experienced over a million downloads of the app's leaked version in just over eight hours. That gives some hope to the fact that users may be very excited, actually, for the release of this. Joey, contrary to some of the things that we've talked about with this. I mean, it really is great news that uh, all the demand for trying out uh, BBM for iOS and and uh, and Android crashed their servers. That's really good. But the real question is, how are they going to monetize this now? Because I, I I don't think there was fees on this, right? This was just free to try. So I, I wonder how they're going to make money on this because you you I, I I'm not sure how this uh, how how this will work. Yeah, I guess it's just a you know a matter of maybe trying to provide a service for those that are using Blackberries right now so they can continue to use those Blackberries and know that they can communicate in this with the service that they like, i.e. BBM, across to other people that are using other devices. Maybe that's their, their goal here. I, you know, it, I, I hope it's something like that. would be great if it stays free. I mean, maybe they'll be supplementing with ads or something uh, in the future, kind of like a lot of other, you know, kind of businesses do these days where they slowly, slowly creep ads in and, and try to monetize it that way. I'm not sure what they're planning, but uh, it is good news that this is coming for, for everybody if you still have contacts with, with Blackberries. I don't anymore, so it's uh, way too late for me, but it's, uh, it could definitely be nice to have some more cross-platform capability, especially with BBM. I know I would at least try it out. I do have some friends uh, that I do that I know that are using uh, the Blackberries still. Not many, uh, but a couple. Actually, coworkers too. Now that I think about it, and uh, so we'll we'll have to see how that all all that all plays out. But either way, uh, I, I just I, I thought it was really interesting that a million people were interested in getting BBM. So certainly there are there are some out there that are interested. Well, I suppose if you look at it from another direction, too, if I was an Android user, I would really want to get everybody else on BBM for the the higher quality, you know, text messaging, you know, like iMessage where you can see read receipts where uh, on Android, you're unless you use like I think it's WhatsApp or something. But this would be kind of another way to do text messaging that's uh, a little bit better than just SMS. Yeah. And I think SMS is uh, is still, a you know, the, the go to service for a lot of people. But I really dislike using it. It feels very inefficient when I see it come up now because you, you know, you type along you know 
response to something and it now goes in multiple messages. And of course, you know, with, you know, normal uh, kind of, you know, traditional today's IM standards, you can type as much as you want and it's really great. And you can move between different devices. I mean, iMessage is just absolutely just fantastic, uh, especially for someone who uses a Mac as well. And so I, I do appreciate it. Uh, and I can, I can see BBM once they finally figure that out, maybe being something that can come to the desktop side as well. Uh, hopefully, uh, that would be very nice to see as well, though. Yet another um, way, yet another pin, I guess you would need because it's based on device. So I'm not sure how that's all going to work. But either way, we'll see how that pans out. And uh, good to see, though, at least the anticipation of it here in uh, the regions that we're able to get it. Next, Apple on Thursday released a minor update to iOS 7, bringing the new OS to version 7.0.2. The update, which can be downloaded and installed over the air, patches a bug that allowed someone to bypass the lock screen passcode. The update also brings back a Greek keyboard option for entry of a lock screen password. Google on Thursday showed off an upcoming version of its iOS search application that will use push notifications to deliver information from its Google Now service. The functionality will monitor events that are happening and be displayed as cards and push them out to users on through the backend service. The app will be now more integrated as well into Google Maps. New versions should arrive in the next couple of weeks. And this is, I think, a very good thing here. I use Google Now quite a bit um, on iOS. I've got the Google application right on uh, my home screen here. And so I go to it quite a bit and I look up, you know, what's happening there, whether it's flight information, weather, sports scores. Uh, and uh, as uh, I mentioned here, I was traveling this week and I had never seen uh, this or I'd never really looked into it is that you can now or it shows you what time it is at home uh, right in there in Google now. So uh, if you're in a different time zone, you know what time it is back there. And uh, so that's kind of nice, especially, I suppose, if you're traveling internationally. So looking forward to that and seeing the push notifications come to the Google iOS search application. Google on Tuesday, updating its Android device manager service, enabling users to remotely lock their Android device with a passcode entered on the web. At launch, Android Device Manager uh, allowed users to locate their phone, ring it, or erase it, but this service is available now and works on any phone with Android 2.2 or higher. So yeah, very nice here. Enter a new passcode on the web, and that remotely locks the device. It's uh, it's a great feature here, and uh, I think it's going to be uh, just, just yet another service here for those that are using Android to, to feel more secure about using those devices when on about. Google got everyone's hopes up this week with an update for Google Voice landing in the Android market. It update uh, simply only allowed for texting of short codes with the service. It did not address issues uh, with the service, such as the lack of MMS support. The update, however, is good news for those who want to use their Google Voice number with SMS alerts for services such as online banking. The app was also updated with the new features for iOS as well. First in questions and comments this week, we've got a voicemail from Paul. Hi, Mickey. Hi, Joey. This is Paul from Tennessee calling in regards to the uh, email in last week about Google Wallet uh, being, I'm sorry, not an email, but uh, the news regarding Google Wallet's update and the reminder that it's not available on a couple of carriers because of their backing devices. Um, first of all, I just want to say I have a Verizon Galaxy Nexus and I hate that Verizon blocked that from the Galaxy Nexus when they released it. And it, I hate it for other people that are on other carriers that they're getting blocked from using that. But the good news is they're not entirely blocked from using it. In fact, it's very easy, at least with uh, iPhone. Um, if you just do a Google search, uh, go to the Play Store, find out what the most current version of the Google Wallet app is, and just do a Google search for that version, and you can easily find the APK separate from the Play Store. You can pull that off of just about anywhere. There's all kinds of forums. And people have a host of various places, and they try to keep the most current versions out there. 
you can download that and install it, install it by sideloading it onto your Galaxy Nexus very easily. I, again, I can't confirm whether it works for other restricted devices, but I know it works for mine, and I've done it many times, and I've updated it to newer versions, so I've never had any trouble with it. Loads right on. Uh, everything, including the NFC, works fine. I've used it at McDonald's and other places many times, Home Depot. Um, and I'm excited to get this newer version with the uh, support for the rewards card. So uh, that's some help, hopefully, for people that would like to use Google Wallet, especially with an NFC-enabled phone, but are restricted from doing so right now. Uh, the other issue I wanted to bring up was the person who wrote in about um, you guys having perspective on Android. I just want to throw my ring into that hat as well. Um, I know Joey has the touchpad with um, uh, CyanogenMod on it, and I would agree that it's it's still not a great um, benchmark to compare when people are asking things about Android. Um, I would just encourage you guys. I know you're you know, you're kind of doing this as a labor of love, so you can't necessarily buy every new phone out there. But I would encourage you guys to maybe pick up one of those next spores that just went on, had the price cut because we're about to see a new one or or uh, maybe Mickey, since you're talking about looking for a new phone, look at the Nexus 5 when it's announced here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I'd like to see you guys uh, get a little bit more up to speed and up to date on uh, knowing Android well and seeing the newer versions of software and, of course, the newer hardware as well. Thanks. Love the show. Talk to you later. Paul, thanks very much for the voicemail and uh, your input there on uh, and using the Google Wallet service and uh, just how to do that. Um, also, uh, you know, you talk about you know picking up one of the, the Nexus devices here. Uh, I think the uh, the old Nexus fours are pretty much uh, out of commission now. Um, I at least as far as picking one up directly through Google, perhaps uh, you know they'll have some other uh, third party you know eBay type places where you can get it. But uh, right now, if I go. And I uh, look here. Yeah, we're out of inventory. We're out of inventory on both 8 and 16 gigs. So uh, not looking for that one to come back anytime soon, uh, though perhaps if it does, uh, grab an 8 gig model just to have around. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you're not the first here, as you've heard, Paul, and I uh, definitely appreciate the feedback there. We will uh, we'll get something new on the Android side in our arsenal here soon. Sometime here. Un- unfortunately, it's not the money that's uh, driving me. It's just the time. I do not even have time right now to invest in uh, in really uh, getting into the Android uh, time here. That's the the only thing that's holding me back right now because it's uh you know it, it, it to give it a fair shake. You really do need to spend some time with it. Yeah, and the other part of it for me is I'm trying to decide what the best you know the best thing is. I mean, I, I love buying the phones just because I, I like having the phone and it's really easy to use. But uh, now having moved over to Verizon, it's not nearly as easy as it once was. I can't if I pick up a Nexus Four, I've got to figure out yet another service plan, SIM, and and that's not fun. I don't want to have to deal with all of that. I just want to use it, right? Uh, so then I go back to well, maybe I should pick up a Nexus Seven. Well, the Nexus 7, if I go with the, you know, just the, the Wi-Fi model, it's cheap. It's 229 But I would say, well, I, l- I really like having a device that I can use while on the go. And um, so for me, that would be the LTE model. Well, of course, we've heard all of the, the issues with uh, using it on Verizon as well and, and them not supporting it yet. And, and really, T-Mobile and AT&T are the only ones that have that support today. So I just don't know what it what is I should get. And uh, so this is why I'm just kind of sitting here not buying this one because I do think it would be kind of neat to have a tablet as well. I do like uh, the smaller size of, uh, of the Nexus 7 and so maybe maybe that's the one. I don't know. I, I still can't make up my mind. But anyway, thanks for your comments, Paul. Certainly appreciate it. Next up here, question from Remington. He says, Mickey and Joey, I was looking into switching to an MVNO and naturally Straight Talk came to mind. Since the introduction of AT&T's LTE service, I'm looking to put the new Nexus on the provider 
uh, i.e. straight talk. But it worries me of just how much data we'll be allowed uh, to use on a monthly basis, seeing as how unlimited is not likely. I've been listening to your show for quite a while. Look forward to hearing uh, your responses. Sincerely, Remington. Well, uh, I think you're right to be concerned about this one. If you pick up straight talk uh, on uh, just, you know, with with one of the regular plans, the 4G plans, not LTE, uh, your data plan is likely uh, capped at somewhere between 2 and 2.5 gigabytes. It is not truly unlimited. Um, I've got actually someone that I'm, I work with who has straight talk, uh, has AT&T, and uh, did use it to download a 4 gig file this month and uh, has not heard anything from them yet. Uh, but uh, this was just within the last week or so. So I'm really interested. And I told him, and he said, no, 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 it's unlimited. And I said, you know, they say it's unlimited, but I've I've heard to the contrary. There's a lot of stories, and so uh, I'm I'm I'll I'll tell you firsthand if I I guess it'd be secondhand, right? Because it's not me who's got the service, but I will tell you what I hear from him uh, if that does change. But uh, I would say Remington, you like you're probably right to be concerned about this, as I would expect them. And it may not be two or two point five gigs. It may be something a little bit higher because LTE has got uh, it's got more capacity at this point, but it's still probably going to be some sort of limit in there. Absolutely. And, and, and it may be, you know, one month at four gigs, you may be fine. You know, it, it, they may not do anything or maybe spotty months. If you have a couple months here and there that are uh, excessive, they, maybe they'll uh, forgive that. But if it's kind of more of a regular thing, they may or they they may end up looking at daily usage too. your consistent daily usage over periods of time instead of just looking at a monthly bucket rate. They may be doing a little bit different kind of analytics on the, the usage to kind of show that you're an excessive user versus just somebody who downloaded a four gig file one time. Yeah, and that's I think another part of it is just how you know how much uh, are how much do you are you going to need to rely on this and um, it, you know if that's the case I would I would just make sure that you are taking all of these factors into account when you make the decision on this because if you're not someone who can offload a lot of your Wi-Fi usage onto other services then you probably want to choose a service that you can you can scale up or down as necessary and uh, you know kind of play that game at least for a while till you figure it out. Well, the one great thing is you've got an Nexus and you've got Straight Talk. So you're not under contract and just pick up a different SIM card from a different carrier and, and pop it in. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, the T-Mobile plan is a great one. Uh, you know, as, and and the, the thing with T-Mobile uh, is that, you know, they do have this, this $30 plan that only gives you 100 minutes. And, and whether or not that's enough for you is a whole other story. But let's just say that it is. And let's just say that the five gigs is not enough for you. Even if you hit that five gig limit, you still have edge speeds after that. So you are not you're not getting uh, your service cut off. You're not getting a device that no longer uh, is working. It's just slower. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, I would say uh, I did. I, I think on my phone I hit like I was a lot. Well, no, I guess that was the iPad that I hit a lot this month. It was like five gigs on the iPad alone. Um, but uh, but, you know, the phone itself, I don't usually go over a, a couple of gigs. And so I would I would just keep that in mind, uh, just how much you're going to be using it. And, and maybe you can get by with it. Maybe you can't. And so maybe there are different services. Uh, that would make more sense. And I think T-Mobile's plan that gives you, because you can do the tiers there as well, so you can get the unlimited talk and text, and then uh, I think for 60 bucks you can get a, a gig or two uh, at the high speed, and then it switches down to you know edge speeds. And, and, at, and you know, at least there you, you've got something that you can, you can scale and figure that out, whereas on a, a straight talk it's just you can use it, and uh, if you go over a certain amount, they just cut you off, and that, that's unfortunate. So uh, that's, that's how I would say you know, to think about this. Don't be thinking about it as a, you know, well, you're going to be, it's going to work for you because you, you probably want to assume that it may not and figure out if it's going to be able to you can fit it into your life finally today a question from tony he says guys do you know why apple is not selling an unlocked iphone 5s there's no mention of an unlocked version on apple.com has a t-mobile version replaced the apple factory unlocked version 
Great show. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, Tony. Uh, I, you know, Tony, you bring up a good point here, and I think you actually may be onto something here because the version, if I remember right, the version that's being used for T-Mobile is the same one is being that the, is being used for AT&T, which means it's the same one that you can just buy uh, just flat outright. And so I wouldn't I would say this is the version to go with. If you go with the Sprinter Verizon version, uh, the Verizon one is, is obviously unlocked, although they don't advertise it as such. Uh, but uh, you could buy that one outright as well if that was how you're the unlocked phone you're looking to get. So, no, the uh, actually, Mickey, the Sprint version is the unique one. The one that's on AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon. They're all three the exact same model. Okay. Uh, and that also applies to the 5C as well. I think what's happened here is that it's just not available yet. They will be selling it unlocked. I just don't think it's... I, I think this happened the last time with the 5, the five too. It took them a few weeks or a month to get it out as an unlocked phone. So I think just be patient. That's right. And, and now that you mentioned that, I do, I'm, I'm still, you know, I've got a little blurring of how it happened with the 5 and with the 5S here. So yeah, that, that's right. You do have the 5S that, uh, uh, or the, the Sprint model, that's the one that's separate. And that just has to do with the, the frequencies that are being used on that one. So, um, you know, that, that does bring in the, I think it's the 25 megahertz, uh, 2500 megahertz range for, for those uh, LTE bands that they have that they're using up there. So interesting stuff there. Uh, but that's that's probably what's going on here, and I think you're probably right too. They will come out with something. They, they I mean, keep in mind right now they can't really, um, you know, they can't really keep up with what's being sold today. So it's you know, they're they're this is this is not the focus at this point. At some point they'll probably and about the five C is the first one to come out there. So, uh, but the good question there, Tony. Thanks for uh, for sending that in. And actually, they do have it listed on their price page for the iPhone. Uh, let's see, yeah, the iPhone five S. It says unlocked. Uh, for the the price and capacity it says unlocked without contract because they have contract price and unlocked price six fifty seven forty nine eight forty nine for the sixty four gig and they also have that listed uh five forty nine unlocked for the sixteen gig five C and thirty two gigs at six forty nine. So if I pick up uh let's see uh, well I see the contract is that you're saying the T Mobile contract free is that what you're looking at? No, I'm looking at uh, the iPhone uh the iPhone family compare models. That's what I clipped clicked on on the top in the store uh, compare iphone models and at the very bottom it does say unlocked it doesn't say specifically carriers or anything so it's coming i think that's just it's just not out yet yeah and to uh and, and to the point here that tony is trying to make if you go to buy a phone you choose your finish and then you choose your model and then you choose your network carrier and you either have to choose at&t sprint or verizon all in this one little box or then down below it says t-mobile contract free and so that's where you get the 650, 750, 850 marks uh, when you're going on there. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is a little confusing here. I see what you're saying. But, uh, yeah, either way, uh, it's, it's coming soon, right? Yeah, and if not, maybe that contract T-Mobile one is the is the one they're selling as an unlock because that's the model that go, goes for everything except for Sprint. Yeah, and that's that, that would make sense, uh, albeit confusing, uh, but most people are going and buying a phone uh, that can be used on, on any carrier, and so they're, they're wanted to probably just choose T-Mobile and, and you'll be just fine. So there you go. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can get in touch with us by sending us email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or giving us a call, 206-203-3734. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments that you may have. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.